Welcome to ContenderCast, a leadership conversation centered on shining a light on bright ideas. And now here's your host, Justin Hahnemann. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for downloading. Thanks for listening. It's Justin Hahnemann on the ContenderCast. We're shining a light on bright ideas. And today, you guys are going to love this conversation. Brian Falchuk's on. He's got a brand new book called The 50-75-100 Solution, Build Better Relationships. I love the idea of relationships and how important they are. And so, Brian, it is so cool having you on the podcast. Hey, thanks for having me on, Justin. This is awesome. So for those who don't know Brian, he is a tech exec by day, but also been building this incredible leadership content. He wrote a book two years ago called Do a Day. We'll talk about that in a minute. And then his new book, 5075-100 Solutions. So Brian, how did you get into this leadership space? And how is this kind of fitting with your day job? Yeah, no, it's uh, it's something I'm trying to answer myself, I guess. <laughs> That's uh, awesome. I love it, though. Yeah. <laughs> so I've been in, in the insurance space for 20 years and um, you know, got up to the C-suite in that space and recently joined an insure tech company. So still insurance, but on the technical side. Got it. Um, and uh, look, I've had an amazing career, really blessed to work with amazing people and, and getting to lead quite a few of them. Um, and at the same time, you know, I'm a person and I've got my own life and things <laughs> right. that I experience and and I've been through some things and, and, you know, I talk about a lot of this in do a day, my own personal story of dealing with anxiety, obesity, and, um, how that played out in my behaviors and my feelings Sure. and how that made me or, um, didn't make me into the best husband and father. And, um, it all came together in this moment in 2011 where my wife was on what we believe to be her deathbed and our wow. doctors gave up on her and our wow. son was too. Oh my yeah, gosh. But, Wow is is what it was. Wow is what I needed. Um, wow! And it's so, unfortunate. So unpack that for yeah. us, and we'll yeah, yeah, yeah. we'll go there first, and then we'll get to the yeah. new book. So how, how did that play out? And how did that? What did that do for you? So you know, she had been just suddenly taken down with this just like confluence of terrible symptoms, and um, she'd have these like one or two day kind of forty eight hour bug type situations before throughout her life since she was a child and they'd go away and this one just didn't and it kept getting worse and worse and worse and after about a month she was down to like 100 pounds bedridden and no one had any answers but to blame her you know you're you're just worrying too much i think you might be depressed it's just anxiety it's like well all those things are true but how would you feel in this situation you know yeah. and it's all and it's all me, your fault right got it yeah and that shockingly like that doesn't help <laughs> that's not that's not reassuring or helpful um and for me like i have been a fixer you know i grew up with a lot of anxiety from my parents getting divorced and just feeling like the world is falling apart and i can't do anything about it so as soon as i had the ability to do something about it whatever it was in my life i would jump and act and i was always looking for well how do we solve this problem and uh, you know, we've been talking about someone we have in common before yes, recording exactly. <laughs> that, that I met when I was a management consultant. Like my day job was to look for problems and solve <laughs> and them help before solve the them. sky falls. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So I was financially rewarded for my anxiety. So it just reinforced it. <laughs> That's a great way to say it. I've, yeah. I've also spent a number of years in management consulting and you're right. It's like you take on the anxiety almost of your client to, and help yeah. them solve a problem. That's, yeah, yeah. That's so true. And you know, you're, you're supposed to be the calm one, but like you're the the more you look for and unearth problems and see what's wrong <laughs> right. and try to get ahead of it, 
the better you do. That's so true. Um, and also you know, up can go the anxiety level. <laughs> yeah. And it's, look, it's not all bad. And I'm very quick to say that, like, yeah, there's a lot of good that has come from it. My career, you know, I've had a great career at the same time. I'm really dependable. I'm really self-reliant. Um, you know, when, when stuff's hitting the fan, I'm the guy you want in your corner. And that's a good thing. Nice to be it's balanced. part of why I'm standing here. So I, sure. I appreciate it. You know, I have compassion for it. And at the same time, it also means I don't always have compassion for others who are suffering because I don't have time to stop and be in that place. I need to get to solving. And that's exactly what was going on with my wife that, you know, she needed someone to stand with her and oh, we don't have time for that. We got to do this. And why aren't you doing that? And the doctor said this and you're not doing, you know, I was like constantly trying to solve and she just wanted someone to hold her. Um, and it, unfortunately it took this call with her doctor giving up on her and just being like, I'm going on vacation. I'll see you in six weeks. And she couldn't get out of bed. She was losing two pounds a day. And I just said, you know, doctor, do the math. She's not going to be here in six weeks. And his response is, okay, we'll take her to the ER if you need to. And he hung up. And I walked back into our bedroom and our son's standing there, two years old, looking at his mother, basically dying in front of his eyes. And when he turned and looked at me, that was it. I, I was so struck by his eyes. And it just made me say, like, what are you doing? You know, this woman just needs you to be there with her. This little boy, he he may only have one parent. And if this is the parent he's going to have, this is not setting him up for whatever form of happiness he's able to achieve after losing his mother at such a young age. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that that did it for me. And I had this power, this feeling in me, this purpose, this focus that I've literally never had in my life. And I used to be a hundred pounds overweight as a kid. Right. I I lost you that shared that with pounds. me. Yeah. So I, I lost that weight in high school, but like a lot of people, I started to put it back on. And so at this point I'm like 50 pounds back into that journey. And I didn't look obese anymore. I, I was sure. saying I just looked American. <laughs> like no one would have looked at me and been like, Oh, that is that fat guy. I looked American. Yeah. I, I looked like everybody else, you know? Sure. But I was really unhealthy, <laughs> right? Really unhappy. I had lots of physical pain. I'd had back surgery. Wow. Surgery. Like wow. I, I was not in a good place physically. And again, that little boy is seeing all this. So, wow. I woke up the next morning. This is July 1st, July 1st, 2011, feeling this power still. And I said, you know, if I let this go, this is my last chance. I have to grab hold of this. I have to understand why this feels so different and channel that. And that, that's what I did in that moment. I started to reflect on what is it that's so different here? What is this purpose feeling I have? Like, what is it I'm so connected to? And in digging into that, not only did I understand that for myself, but I sort of broke apart what are the components of it that makes this so powerful for me? And is there a way to tap into that without having to face, you know, the potential death of your spouse? Or, you know, I've interviewed lots of people who have these sort of like gun in your face moments. Right. I've had several on the podcast. Yeah. And it, it should, you know, we talked about Michael O'Brien. Yeah, exactly. I was just exactly thinking about that. It shouldn't take a life or death accident for him to have shifted, but it did. It shouldn't take that for me. I had a, um, I was on a Navy SEALs uh, podcast that he was lying for dead in the desert in the Middle East after an IED blew up his Humvee. And that was his wake up. And it's like, you know, what if we could change without having to potentially lose every moments? Right. Yeah. And so that's, that's what was born in that moment is a change for myself and, 
people started to rec- to see the change. And, you know, I was, I was pretty open about what I was working on and how it was going. And so they're like, you know, friends would come forward and just say, Hey, I'm struggling with this too. Could you help me? Absolutely. Absolutely. And so I, that's how I got into the coaching and, and this approach I call do a day was born from that. That ended up, you know, becoming my first book and my podcast and kind of, you know, what, what led me to you. No, I love that. Well, and let's, let's definitely cover that. So do a day came out, what, 2017 yep, and, March. um, pretty incredible uh, story. And what I like about it is it's very much life application and like actual things you can tangibly take and do. So talk about what formed that book. And just at a high level, let's make sure we cover that before we jump into your your newest book. So do a day is is basically a multi-pronged approach to transformation. And really it's about achieving what you want, regardless of the barriers that you have in front of you. And it, it's not a how-to, although right. the subtitle is How to Live a Better right. Life. But <laughs> yeah. it's, it's not like a, a workbook where it's like, oh, fill in these three things right. and then you know, take the second <laughs> word from each line. Yeah, exactly. yeah it's, it's not that. Um, because I don't, I don't believe in that. What I believe in is uh, inspiration that leads to introspection that leads to you changing your own life. Like I don't change anybody's life. So... Do a day starts with the the idea of self love, and that actually was the hardest thing for me to get in touch with, and took me actually putting out the book before I was comfortable enough with it to recognize my own value to myself, like that I'm good enough to do better, and I I'm capable of it. But Brian, yeah. as people hear that, they're like, okay, what do you mean by self love? Like, I yeah. mean, of course, well, I love myself. What do you mean by this? Or they, yeah. yeah, they get uncomfortable, like you're saying. So, talk about what that means. Yeah. Well, you know, it's it's a basic question, and this is where my coaching always starts: is around how you view yourself. And you know, if you've come for coaching or you want to talk about it, why is that? And you hear people talk about all their can'ts and don'ts and shouldn'ts and don't deserves. And so it's you know, well, I was really bad at this, or I really struggled with this. And in talking about it, you start to recognize it's not it's not a question of whether they're actually good or bad at something. It's about how they see themselves in that light. And they're banging their heads on a wall that they don't think they deserve to even bang their heads on because they're not worthy of it. So, you know, for me, my motivation was around initially around being better for my wife and my son. And I was doing a podcast about the book and this guy called me out on that. Because I talk about your motivation needing to be deep within you, not something external. And I sort of, um, I was cheating. So I was saying like, you know, my feelings about my son is internal to me. Like any parent, you know, knows what I'm trying to describe. And and he's like, you know, I get that. I'm a dad, but I'm going to call you out on that. Because even though you feel it within you, he is not within you. So even that doesn't fit what you're preaching. I was like, you know, you're spot on. And the reason for me holding on to him as my focus and my motivation is that I wasn't comfortable holding on to myself in that because there's a piece of me that feels like you don't deserve better. You know, you struggled with your weight because you're not strong enough not to, because you don't have the willpower to say no to those foods that you like, because you don't have the dedication to keep exercise front and center, because you don't care about your health and wellness enough to outweigh how you care about ice cream or whatever. And it, it sounds funny, but we all do this. And we do this in professional settings where, you know, you don't go for that job that 
You really could. I, I had the CEO of a former employer ask me to apply for my boss's job when my boss had talked about retiring. And my immediate response was, well, I can't do his job. <laughs> right. And it's, you've got this guy who I have the utmost respect for, who I think is absolutely brilliant, is an amazing leader, built the company. He's telling me, like, I want you to apply for this. And by the way, this is the guy who makes the decision on who gets the job. And my, my response is, oh, no, I, I'd never get that job. I can't do that. And maybe I'm right. But why is that the initial response? Why is it what I'm seeing? And, you know, it, because I, I can't stack up to my boss. Well, he does the job his way. Maybe you'd do it differently. And that doesn't make his way right and your way wrong. It's different. Maybe that's part of what this guy is seeing and why he's asking me to apply. But I can't get out of my own way and how I'm viewing myself enough to even allow for that possibility. So to me, self-love, it's not a touchy-feely thing. It's not a hippie thing. It's about valuing yourself enough to allow for the possibility that you're capable and that you're good enough to do it. Uh, I think that's very cool. Yeah. And I, I th- so for those that haven't read uh, Do A Day, you can check it out, doadaybook.com, of course, on Amazon. And what I, I think it's cool, Brian, you, you shape the content as days. So 15 days. Uh, you talked about self-love as part of one of those kind of grounding and, and foundational elements. Um, I also like that how, how you talked about the importance of fitness, eating well, and, and then kind of life, kind of how you live life, and then also how you can translate that to the office. I don't know. I just, it's not just like a home thing where you're working on yourself or something like that. No. And, you know, we are like people always ask, well, what do people come to you for coaching on? And this, this sounds really, this doesn't sound very good, but I'm just going to say it anyway. <laughs> I can't wait. I don't care. And it's not to say, <laughs> it's not to say I don't care about them or, or why they It's that it doesn't really matter because we're going to work on you as a person. And so if you come for your weight or your career or your relationships or whatever, fantastic. Let's talk about that. But please don't think we're not going to touch on your holistic life because we are not compartmentalized beings where it's like, you know, your marriage is falling apart, but don't worry, we'll fix your job problems. Like, that's fine. We don't need to. Because you think when you go to work that that argument you had, and the way you it, left the it house does come with you. Sleep? Come on. <laughs> I try to or give, vice versa. I listen, I think about that every day that everyone's got stuff going on outside yeah. of the office. And yeah. I try to provide or provide grace around that. Yeah. Um so we're we're gonna talk about it all. And and the name do a day itself is just about it's really about mindfulness. And that is right. an approach you can use to anything. Is I love it doesn't that. matter yeah, if you failed yesterday. This day. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Or you get too much tomorrow, you can still do what you need to do today to move you forward. And that's a really freeing mentality. That's awesome. That's a great bottom line and good transition. <laughs> um, okay. So that book came out two years ago and you decided, you know what, that that wasn't enough. I'm going to get another one out really quickly. It's amazing. Two years later. And um, when I, you first sent me the information on your newest book, 5075, 100 Solution, Better Build Better Relationships, I was... Uh, you know, the first thing I thought was, what do the numbers mean? So before we get to that, um, what... What what was it that you know in in your life made you think you know I need to to now write a book about relationships and the importance of them? And what was it that kind of drove the 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 content behind this book? Yeah, um, well, it's what I was just saying about your marriage falling apart. <laughs> uh, so uh, my wife and I were having a tough time, a really tough time, and you know her illness. Um, while we got through that, it's still it's not taking her life, but it's still a big part of our life. She still deals with it. Um, it put us into a set of roles and that started to define our relationship where I was the guy who worked there, you know, kind of logistically doing stuff 
because she wasn't able to. And that leads to different feelings about things. And of course she had feelings about how I wasn't standing by her before that moment in July. And, uh, that, you know, that defined our relationship. And, and because we didn't really address that, the dynamic built and it built in the wrong way. Um, on top of that, I had taken a job where I was commuting down to Atlanta every week. We yep, that's my hometown. There we go. Yeah, I saw the, I saw the area code. Yep, exactly. Um, and you know, amazing job. Um, but it means I was gone five days a week. Absolutely. And so the, the logistics of taking care of the family got squished into two days, which just, you know, made me more tired, more agitated, et cetera. So the whole thing's compounding and it doesn't give us a chance to connect because we're just not together. So we get to a point where, um, things are really not working. We're generally arguing and, and the arguments, it's not about the content. It's about the approach. So we are not seeing each other for who we are. We're seeing each other for these perceptions or these uh, kind of personas we built of each other. And so my wife is reacting to that guy she thinks I am. And then I'm feeling invalidated. I'm feeling mistreated because it's like, no, that's not what I was saying. That's not what I meant. I did this out of love for you, not because I think you're incapable or because I'm judging you or I resent you. And, and so then I, you know, I'd get more mad and <laughs> right. It's, it's, just builds, it's not going right? to work. Yeah. yeah. Wow. So, uh, you know, we were at this place where it's like, look, we're not like, this isn't going to work. Um, I started to see a therapist to talk about it. And, and I'll be honest, my intention, and I've told her this, so she's not going to get mad at me for <laughs> a minute. My intention was like, I'm fine. I, I mean, well, I'm good. You're just, you're not seeing me right. And so all I need to talk to someone about is getting uh, kind of coping mechanisms to deal with how you're treating me. I don't need to change. And how many of us think wow. that? Like, it's the other person. I, I don't need right? to change. It's, it's the other person's yeah. problem. Right? Which, of course, is exactly what she was seeing. <laughs> She's like, oh, he'll go talk to someone and they'll fix him because I'm all set. No, it's your two people. And even if one of you is not the source of the problem, you're still in the interaction. And that's so in talking to this person, um, she introduced me to some ideas from Buddhism and suggested I read this book. And I picked it up. And I, I'm not very far into it, and I'm just utterly blown away. Like, it, the most beautiful thing I've ever read. People are always like, what's the best book out there? And, you know, they're expecting me to start promoting my own books. Now. Right, right. It's this book, Open Heart, Clear Mind. Wow. It is okay. unbelievable. Um, it's by a Buddhist monk named Tutin Chodron. It's just incredible. And there's one particular concept that I got pretty early on in the book called happiness seeking. And it's the idea that each of us just seeks to be happy. That's why we do everything we do. It well, may not and you seem have that like as that. one of the chapters in your book. Well, th and that's exactly why. So there's three core ideas that I started to learn about from Open Heart, Clear Mind. And I did a lot more research and read tons of other books. Um, and this is the one that really started to change my mentality. Because to me, it's like when someone does something that upsets you, that's, that was their intention. They're just trying to hurt you right now. And, and I always say, if you hear the word just, turn on your radar because something's wrong with that thought. Got it. You're like, can't you just do this? Well, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> if it was that simple, wouldn't I have done it? Right. So, wow. you know, we feel maliciousness. We feel intentionality in hurting us. And we think that that's the reason why these things are, why can't they just love me more? Why sure. can't they value me, appreciate me, promote me, see the good in the work I'm doing, whatever Absolutely. it is. When in fact, though, there's something behind it. There's something behind it. And when you are focused on this malicious intention, 
it steps up your reaction. And so you're going to hit back or you're going to be defensive. And then we're in a problem because the dynamic's broken. You can't expect that to go better unless one of you steps back and takes the high road. And that's a hard, that's a hard thing to do, right? The high road so, is the best road. And it has less traffic. Seeking, yep. Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, happiness seeking is that, it's that basis to look differently at their actions and try to see like, when they woke up this morning, were they really like, oh, where's Brian? I want to be mean to him. <laughs> right. I'm going to go that's be all mean I to want. him. <laughs> right. Yeah. No, it's like, I'm trying to get there no. and this guy's standing in my way. No. Move aside, guy. You know, it's like, it's not, it's not about me standing in their way. It's that they're trying to get somewhere and, and I just seem to be a blocker. So they're going to respond a certain way. Now, maybe that response isn't great or maybe they're misunderstanding that I'm in the way and I'm not. But either way, it's not really about just shoving me. It's about trying to get where they're going. And if you can look at life that way, it gives you that pause to take that high road. It gives you that pause to feel differently and react differently. And that, that I immediately brought into my marriage to really dramatic effect very quickly. And that's when I was like, there's something here. I got to start thinking about this as, as a book. Yeah, I liked in your TED talk too how you referenced uh, traffic and how you know it wasn't like the guy intentionally like was out to get you the plumber that he was yeah, going to cut yeah, you yeah. off and like <laughs> he's yeah, it's like, intentionally oh, that blue blocking car? you yeah. and you're pissed yeah. off at the guy. No, and we're, he, like we're like both just that. trying to get where we're going, you know. <laughs> I that was and hilarious. I mentioned that he's a plumber because it's like maybe someone's house is flooding, right? You maybe know, he's like, trying my, to get there quickly. <laughs> yeah. My house flooded in 2010. Like that's a big deal. Maybe someone is depending on him, you know, or maybe it's a a doctor and they're trying to go save someone's like, you don't know what the reasons are. Oh yeah. So to just assume (laughs) that it was to cut you off. Right. Everyone that's listening to that's like thinking about, Oh yeah, that was, we've all been there. Yeah, exactly. All right. So, um, let's get to the 50, 75, hundred and what that means. Um, and how you came up with that model. Yeah. Yeah. So basically in, in this happiness seeking thing, what I started to realize is it's about how we're reacting to each other and reactions to each other. The each other, the each other part is the key. That means that it's based on like her reactions, my wife's or my coworkers or whatever, their reactions are based on what I'm doing and mine are based on what they're doing. And so much of what bothers us in tough relationships is feeling like we have no control, no power, no influence, no agency, and so we can't make it better and, and we feel helpless. And that that only amps up the feelings. Well, if part of what's going on is they're reacting to me, that means I'm a piece of what their behavior is about. So maybe I do have some power here. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And so what I realize is we often think of relationships as us versus them, 50-50. You know, there's like there's two sides to it. And whether that's individuals or groups, like it's still, you know, my group, your group, or me versus you. And uh, Justin, I like you, so I'm not going to be your enemy, but I'll I'll talk about me versus you right now just to make it easy. (laughs) But it's like, you know, we're each each 50% of this relationship. And that's where the 50 in the name comes from. But it's your 50% that frustrates me. Your 50% in my mind is where our problems come from. Not me, right? I'm good. (laughs) But that's 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 where, yeah. And I can't do anything about it. And that makes me more amped up. So when you respond in a way I don't like, I'm going to have to hit harder or explain to you why you're wrong or get defensive or whatever, because it's out of my control. And so now we're at war. Well, that's not very effective. So what, what I realize is within me, 
if I own my half, half of me, like I'm split again in half. Half of me is my actions and half of me is my reaction. So half comes from what I'm actively choosing to put out into the world. And the other half is the response to the stimulus that I'm getting from the world, which means you. And, you know, a lot of people like, well, you can't control how you react because that person's doing what they did and you have to respond, right? If they hit you, you got to hit back. Well, it doesn't mean the response is easy to control, but you still control it. You don't have to hit back. If they're making fun of you, you, you know, we talked about taking the high road. There is another way to respond, whether it's hard or not, doesn't mean you don't have that right. So you can respond differently. And this, this split you have is going on in them too. So half of them is what they're actively choosing to put out and half is a response to you, or in this case, to me. So if half of you is a response to me, suddenly it's like, well, hang on a second. I control the quarter of this whole relationship that's going on in you by giving, I can give you a different version of me to react to. So I own my half and half of you, which is another quarter of the whole. So 50 plus 25 gets me to 75% of the relationship being in my control or influence because I can influence what you're reacting to and maybe get a different response. If I give you a different version of me than you're expecting, maybe I get a different version of you in response. Sure. Absolutely. And now suddenly you feel more empowered. You feel you have more agency in this problem and to bring about a solution. So that's where I always say, like, whether you see yourself as a source of the problem or not, you can still be the source of the solution just by what you bring to the table, because it's going to create a different mechanism inside of that person through their reactions. And then we get to 100% better. And that's where the 100 comes in. Like, if you fix three quarters of the problem, you get into this virtuous cycle. Where you know you're giving them a better version of you, they're not reacting as harshly, so you get a better version of them, so you can react better, and it starts building in the right direction instead of the wrong, and we get unstuck. Oh, that's awesome! And so, how do you see this playing out as you know readers are are using this book or they're looking to apply it? Like, how do you yeah. bring it to life? Yeah. So, in any situation, the key is to start with that happiness seeking. So it's to and, and actually, this is the forcing mechanism that gives us the pause to react differently is instead of just hitting back, ask yourself, why are they, why are they really saying this? What are they really doing right now? Like it's what's not, behind it, it? Yeah. It's not about just hitting you. Like, why are they hitting you? And keep asking that why until you get down to the base need. You're trying to understand what they need in the moment. And then you've got different options depending on what that is. Maybe it's a need that you share. So, you know, like we're both trying to get, get where we're going, or we both want the business to improve, or we both want whatever. So then it's like, instead of, instead of positioning yourself against them, maybe bring attention to the fact that, you know, I, I think this is what you're after. Am I right? It's not about you versus me. It's that actually like, you're worried about this happening in the business. Exactly. Kind of what's behind that's really, the next yeah, level. If that's really what yeah. they want. They're going to like step back and be like, whoa. Yeah, that's what I want. And you're, you know, you're doing all these terrible things that's keeping that from being the case. But if you want that too, then it's like, yeah, that's what I want as well. I, I didn't realize that what I'm doing seems to be working against that. Can we talk about it? Or here's, here's why I'm doing what I'm doing. You know, maybe they just don't see why it's beneficial. So you can be like, this is why I'm doing it. This is what I think will happen. Do you feel differently? Or why, why does that then concern you? What are you worried about going wrong? Maybe there's something I'm not recognizing in that. Because now you guys are working on the same problem. Sure. 
No question. And so you can, you can be colleagues about it or, you know, friends or spouses or siblings or whatever your context is in your relationship instead of enemies or adversaries. At least so more aligned. Yeah. It's that moment to pause. Now, sometimes you run into situations where I call this, and this is the fat kid of me speaking, I call this the, the last cookie problem. Right? It's always going to come back to food. The last cookie problem. The last okay, cookie problem. What does that Look, mean? Man, if we both, if there's one, one delicious looking <laughs> cookie sitting on that plate, yeah, and there's only one of them left, and we both can, want that cookie. You break it in half. <laughs> no, well, we could, but here's the thing: if we both want that cookie, <laughs> our happiness is at odds. They're they're they are in competition with each other, and yeah, we could share, but that's a traditional mediation or arbitration approach with the baby. <laughs> share right. We're so we're each we're each slightly better off, right. but it's not what either of us really wanted. And so we are <laughs> we are in competition. So then. If we say, look, I think we both want this cookie or we both want that customer's business, you know, maybe it's two salespeople competing for a commission. Look, we both feel we have a right to the commission from that business. We can't both have it. And if we split it, we're both getting less than we want. What else can we do about this? Are there other options? Can one of us take the upfront sale and one of us takes the after sale? Can one of us take this account? But if we, you know, try to open up other business from that, because maybe you, you're less worried about this commission than you are about the referral business that's sure. going to come from it. Absolutely. And that's what you invested in. And that's why I beat you on the sale because I was moving faster to close and you were trying to build something long term. What if we do something around like it, it's starting to expose like, well, maybe it's not about this cookie or maybe like that's chocolate chip. And what you really like is snickerdoodle. Like, I, I can't break from the food. man. I, know, um, I love it. <laughs> so, you know, it's it's like. Just call it out, recognize it. And then what we're talking about is real content. Sure. And not this head to head, like, no, I want this money. No, I want this money. Got it. Yeah. That and that's sense. not going to solve anything. No, I totally agree. Well, wow. We covered a lot of content. Um, and actually, I think we got through both of your books, which is amazing. So, yeah, and it's delicious. And so now we're all thinking about <laughs> no, Now everyone's hungry. Yeah. <laughs> that's right. And it's Thanksgiving week as we're recording this. Um, so, where can our listeners find you? How can they engage with you and your content, et cetera? So the, the two things I always say is if you can spell my name, brianfelchuk.com is the easiest way to find everything. That's easy. Easy. F-A-L-C-H-U-K. Yeah. And it's Brian with a Y. So if you like Brian Adams growing up, maybe. Brian Adams. That's right. Once I say that, people remember B-R-Y-A-N-F-A-L-C-H-U-K.com. And, you know, my blog, my books, the podcast, everything's up there. That's awesome. Yeah. And I'm really active on social media with the same, you know, at Brian Felchuk. Yeah. I think, thank goodness for automation. I don't just sit in front of my computer (laughs) tweeting and posting, but, uh, yeah. So you can, you know, you can find me on LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, the whole nine. Yeah, dude, this has been great. I'm excited for you and uh, look forward to staying in touch. And I know you've got a third book in the mix, so you got to come back on when that's here in front of us and yeah. uh, looking forward that's to that. That's in the insurance space, so I don't know if everyone's <laughs> going to be interested, but I <laughs> think it's interesting. <laughs> we'll it's, see. It's all about uh, innovation. And look, we all Listen, need that innovation. I mean, in we cover a lot of stuck. innovation on this podcast. Yeah. So yeah, anyway, yeah. that would be cool. Hey man, thanks for coming on. Awesome. Thank you for having me on, Justin. The Contender Cast is sponsored by Henderson Shapiro Peck. You can download additional Contender Cast episodes directly via the Apple iTunes App Store, the Google Play Store, Spotify, and other preferred podcast platforms. If you would like to be a guest on the Contender Cast, connect with us at contenderbrands.com. 
This is Brian Benson reminding you that every winner started as a contender.